listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for December 6th, 2020, the second Sunday of Advent. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Peter Walsh. Good morning. I'm so pleased that you're joining us. In 2003, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona to become the rector of All Saints Episcopal Church and Day School. And on my first day of work, I sat there at my new desk and across from me was my new assistant and we looked at each other and I said to her, you know, I really, I need to find a spiritual director. I wonder if you could find a Carmelite. She looked at me, not quite clear what a Carmelite was. She later told me that Perhaps she thought that a Carmelite was a confection, a caramelized sauce that you pour over vanilla ice cream until it hardens. I said, no, this is a religious order and I'm particularly keen on them and I'd like to find one of these these guys. And so anyway, off she went in search of a Carmelite. She kept coming back in my office wanting to please the new boss saying no Carmelite, no Carmelite, but the the boss was just not that easily pleased and I just said, oh, keep searching, keep searching. And then I don't know if it was the second day or the third day, it was about 10.30 in the morning and Kathy came in with a little yellow post-it in her hand, kind of like the, the Olympic torch and she said, I found a Carmelite, I found a Carmelite. Father Ernie, he lives in central Phoenix and I've got his phone number. So the first thing I did is I called up Father Ernie, and the first thing Father Ernie said to me was, I'm not taking new directees. But I was undaunted. I was newly in the desert, and I I needed a spiritual friend, and so I did what all salesmen do. I kept him on the phone, and I was really trying to impress Father Ernie with my knowledge of Carmelite spirituality. And I even mentioned that I was reading a particular book of St. John of the Cross, Now, I'm just going to say parenthetically here, Father Ernie never told me on that call, and in fact, he never told me all that he was, in fact, the editor of the book that I was reading, and I didn't even notice that for, I don't know, several months. And luckily, Father Ernie was a soft-hearted man, and so he took me in and said, oh, I don't know, why don't you come down and have a conversation with me, one conversation. So I went down to St. Agnes Church on 24th Street and met with Father Ernie, and Over the the years, I went to that church and met with Father Ernie regularly. I came to know Father Ernie very well, and he, me, and I came to love Father Ernie. There's one visit in particular that sticks in my mind. Uh, it It was a rough patch, and I went to see Father Ernie gathered in this little chapel where the Carmelites lived in their residence, a small little room, and I was up on leaning on a chair on one side and he was on the other side and I was pouring out my woes and what a list of woes I had. I mean, I had a large church and a large day school and a large family of young kids and, and the truth was I was glum and I was overwhelmed and I was exhausted and I talked on and on about my problems. When I finally stopped, it was a bit of a silence, and Ernie said to me, you have many responsibilities, and you're okay, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time each day and sit in quiet, and I want you to say one word, Maranatha. And he said, and when your brain goes all over the place and 
you can't stand it and you're thinking about other things, he said, just stay still and come back to that one word, Maranatha. I must say, even as he spoke to me, I can remember feeling uh, a lightening of my heaviness and something of a, <laughs> of a ray of sunshine in my cloudy, my cloudy ways. And I had been introduced to the mantra of Maranatha before, and while the time of trial was so heavy on me, I had really, you know, I'd, I'd faded from my spiritual disciplines and faded from the prayer of Maranatha. And here was Ernie calling me back. That's all he said. It didn't take more than a minute. And we were done, and I walked out and went out into that, that parking lot and into my car and, and back to my life. Maranatha, as so many of you know, is a, a great and powerful word in my life. And Maranatha uh, is the transliteration of the Aramaic, Aramaic being the language that Jesus spoke. And it's either translated as come Lord Jesus or O Lord come it is the last prayer in the Bible it's the second to last sentence in the book of Revelation it's in the the teachings of the desert fathers and mothers and this word Maranatha in church a a greeting kind of like shalom an acclamation and also a mantra Maranatha Maranatha and that is one of the reasons I was so delighted by the Pope's tweet this past Monday. Perhaps you saw the tweet in the video before, or perhaps you're following the Pope on Twitter, and the Pope tweeted at Pontifex, let us frequently repeat the traditional hashtag Advent prayer, come Lord Jesus, Revelation 22:20." before meetings, studying, work, and before making decisions, in the important moments or times of trial, come, Lord Jesus. Now you'll hear this morning during the prayers of the people that during Advent we're, we're doing as the Pope has asked, and we are using the petition, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. But did you notice down at the end of the Pope's tweet that he said that we are to pray this prayer during times of trial. Now, I don't know anybody who is not in a time of trial. I ask everybody just in the way that we do in our, in our parlance, how are you? And they say, and we talk for a little while. Good, right? They, they talk about their time of trial. You know, when I went to see Ernie, I was experiencing a great time of trial and he gave me that word as a gift. I felt it was a, a word from on high. Two or three months later, I called up Ernie. I wanted to give him an update. And I learned that Father Ernie was in the hospital. And so uh, instead of doing what was laid out for my day, I immediately got up and got in my car, and I drove down to Central Phoenix to St. Joseph's Hospital. This was in the day when you could just simply walk in the hospital and walk to somebody's room. I walked up in to Father Ernie's room, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Listen, I need to go to the bathroom. Can you help me out? Well, I was, I was so excited to be able to do something to help my, my spiritual master, my mentor, and so I said, absolutely. And I walked over to the left side of his bed, and there he had that pole that was familiar to all of us who've ever been in the hospital or visited the hospital, and had the big box machine and the 
uh, the four prongs and all these little uh, bags of liquid, and they were many of them pouring down into Father Ernie's left arm. And so he was a little tangled in bed, and we untangled everything, and then uh, began to move him. Now, Father Ernie was a big man, and to begin to move his legs to the side, and he was wearing that that blue speckled uh, hospital gown. I mean, don't you think it's ironic that they call it a gown? I mean, this is, <laughs> nobody looked like they were wearing a gown, wearing this clothing, this, this clothing of the most vulnerable clothing perhaps we even have in our culture. And there was Father Ernie in great vulnerability, uh, we putting his legs over the side of the bed, and we hefted him up, and he was up, and it was really quite a short walk from that bedside to the, to the toilet, and off we went with the pole and Father Ernie. And, and frankly, I was, I was feeling so pleased to be able to, to serve my, my master and mentor. But as we were making that short trip, it became really clear that, that Father Ernie was losing altitude. And as we drew close to the bathroom, I could see that Father Ernie was going to fall. And the whole thing unfolded in utter slow motion. And as he began to go down, I twisted my body and I inserted my body between, between him and the floor. And down he came on top of me. And when he landed, we were right between the doorposts uh, of the, the door into the bathroom. And I can go back to that time as clear as, it, as if it happened yesterday. There I was lying on the floor with Father Ernie on top of me, and the pole did not fall over. All the lines of his arm. And I could see that he was okay. He was remarkably composed for somebody who was lying on his directee on the floor. And the next thought I had was, oh, it's so good that I was dressed as I was. You see, I was wearing my favorite suit, my best suit, and it was newly laundered. And I remember lying on the floor thinking how sharp the crease was down my pants. And then I had to figure out how to extract myself. I couldn't go left or right because of the way the door frame was, and that Ernie was a big man. And so it took me a little while to figure out how to get out from underneath Ernie and to make sure he was lying on the floor in a, in a peaceful way. We got that all sorted out, and I walked out the door, and I went to the nurse's station, and I started in with this description. <laughs> and the nurse was furious. She castigated me. Wow, I thought I had done a good thing, and boy, did she let it rip. But she didn't have time to let it rip long because she leapt out of that chair, that little spinning chair, shot back, and she said to somebody, code in Father Ernie's room. And then I heard it over the loudspeaker, code, and I can't remember the room number. And in this circular space, I saw people all over running toward Father Ernie's room. And I, at the end, I joined them in the room and in such short order. It was shocking how little time this took. They had managed to get Father Ernie on a gurney, and they had also managed to put all of those um, sensors on Father Ernie's chest and to hook up an oxygen bottle and then to put a mask on him. And once they saw that he was settled in, and a heart paper started shooting out of that machine, uh, they had him up on the gurney, and off they went. And off I went too. We were zipping down the hallway, and I was drawn right next to Ernie, and I looked down to him, 
And he looked up at me with that mask on his face, and I said, Maranatha. And he looked at me and paused for a moment and then said, with his lips, Maranatha. And we were zipping on down the hallway, and soon after that, the nurse who had castigated me at the nursing station turned right around and said to me, this is the end of the road for you. You can't go through those doors. Well, that was her word. And I looked back down at Ernie, and I saw the doors coming, and the doors had two big red signs, do not enter, do not enter. And I said to Ernie, it's in your heart. And he looked at me quizzically with his eyes. He didn't know what I was talking about. I said, Maranatha, it's in your heart. And he smiled, just a little smile, and he nodded his head. All around him, there was just this fury of activity. And he was there, seemingly so peaceful. And as his eyes caught mine, suddenly, bam! The gurney worked like a battering ram, and it hit those two doors. And the doors flung open, and bam, again. And this, this moving ambulance without a siren went ripping through the door, and then whoosh, silence, utter silence. I looked around and there was nobody else in the hallway. We had come into some back part of the hospital and I looked around and there was no other people. There was, I looked out the window, there was no people outside the window. It looked out on a, a kind of like a back alley and there was just nothing. I wanted something more, but there was nothing more to get. So I walked back out of the building and went to the parking garage and paid my fee and drove back to the office and went back to work. The next day I called and they said that Father Ernie was in the intensive care unit and that he was not seeing visitors. I remember the following day I was very, very busy. My life was crazy. And I think it was the following day I called to find out how Father Ernie was doing and there was a kind of silence, and somebody said to me, Father Ernie has died. So I hung up the phone, and I wanted something more, but there wasn't anything more. That was it. So about a week and a half later, I called down to the Carmelite residence at St. Agnes Church on 24th Street in Phoenix, and I asked for his brother. Father Ernie's brother was a Carmelite also. They had joined the order when they were 17 years old, and I believe they may well have been twins. I know that Ernie was 84. And his brother said, I want, would like you to come see me. And so I, w I drove on down. And we met in the, the front lobby of their residence. It was a small space. It was sort of 1950s furniture. It was a public space that was silent. And I told his brother this story. His brother also was a big man. I can remember his shoulders were turned inward. He seemed like a drawing of human sadness. And he said to me, I think you were the last person to speak with Ernie. 
when Ernie entered the intensive care unit, he became unconscious, and he never returned to consciousness. His brother said to me that he had visited, visited him at the hospital on several occasions, but his brother never woke up, and they, they never had a final word. There wasn't anything to say. We sat there in that small lobby, just in silence. And then almost as though his brother was coming back to himself, he, he said, um, well, thanks for coming. And I said, uh, you're welcome. I loved your brother. And he shook his head and he said he did too. And then it was just silent. So I was going out the door, and he said to me, you know, Ernie's last word was Maranatha. And I looked at him, and he said to me, Maranatha. And I said to him, Maranatha. And the door shut, and there I was in this black parking lot in central Phoenix. It all looked barren. There were no other cars in the parking lot. I looked around, and there was just scruff, desert scruff on the other side of the black asphalt. And I wanted, I wanted more. But there wasn't anything more. It was what it was. So I got in my car, and I went back to the office, went back to work. Word Maranatha. It won't save you from the time of trial. There's no saving us from trial. But this word can be a companion on the way. It can be a help through the time of trial. You see, there's something about this Advent desire for Christ to come. That when it is articulated in that one-word prayer, that one-word spiritual life, there is a sense that Christ does come. So in this Advent, as we prepare for the coming of our Lord, perhaps there's one thing we might do, and that is to take the Pope's advice. That during times of trial, and in fact, during all sorts of times, we might say this word frequently, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.